Uh, normally, if we were in our normal second service, I would be excusing the kids for, for junior church, but we don't have junior church today. So I'm wondering, can I borrow all the kids that would normally be in, in uh, junior church to help me this morning? Can I borrow you for just a minute? I'll send you back, I promise. Come on. Come on up. Come on, Silas, Sarah. Oh, we got Aubrey. Come on, guys. Come on. Come help me. I, I need your help up here. Oh, here comes Sarah and Cadence and Jeremiah. All right, guys. All right. Well, what, come up here. Come up here. Come, come right up close. Okay. Let's look that way. Okay. Because you guys are going to help me here. So what is today? What's today? It's Christmas. And Christmas is also a birthday. God's. Who's God's birthday. Jesus' birthday. And what do we do when we have birthdays? We celebrate, yeah, and we have like a cake, and we get presents, right? And then, what do we usually sing on birthdays? We sing happy birthday. Happy birthday. So you guys are going to help me sing happy birthday to Jesus, okay? You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Good job, guys. Thank you. All right. You can head on back to your seats now. Thank you, guys, for helping me sing happy birthday to Jesus. All right. Well, big kids, we have some work to do, right? We, we, would you fill out our, our uh, oh goodness sakes, our connect card. Yeah, right. I'm all in birthday mode. All right, hey, fill out your birthday card. Right? <laughs> fill out your connect card and let us know you're here and what's going on in your life. Uh, I would ask, we, you know, one of the worst, place, worst places to spend Christmas is in the hospital. And I got a, got a text this morning from uh, Janice uh, that she took David uh, Vanberg to the hospital this morning. He's at the ER right now. And so uh, we're going to pray in just a minute. But if you have a prayer request, would you put that on there? And if you're watching online, would you put your re prayer request on our website so we can pray for you? Uh, because that's one of, the, one of the honors that we get to do is pray for one another. And so if you would fill those out, and, uh, and right now I'm just going to pause for just a moment. I want to pray for Dave and Janice. Lord, they're faithful servants, and I know uh, Dave would love to have been here this morning. Uh, he was planning on it, but somehow those plans have gone astray, and he's in the ER right now. I pray you'd give the doctors wisdom as uh, they look at what he needs. And Lord, you, you indeed are the great physician. And so we place him in your hands. Would you heal his body as we pray right now in Jesus' name, amen. So if you'll fill those out, that would be awesome. Uh, so we can know what's going on in your life. And uh, we have coming up next week, we are gonna have two regular services
8.45 and 10.30. So if you're one of those people that stay up on Christmas Eve, you can come to the 10.30 service, right? But uh, so for all of you that are like me and you're in bed by 9, 8.45, come on. We'll, we'll celebrate the new year. Normally, uh, this is the first year in about 10 years uh, that I'm not going to go on a polar bear raft trip. We normally, every, every Christmas or every New Year's Eve, we have a, uh, a polar bear raft trip. We're not doing it this year. And, and I'm kind of sad. You know, there's just something about getting in freezing cold water to start out the new year, right? Anyway, would you come join us next Sunday at either 845 or 1030 for our, our uh, Sunday New Year's Day service? Kick off the new year right. What a better way to start a new year than right here in church. All right, well, we're, uh, we're coming to our offering. I want to thank you guys. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the joys that I have is, is being the pastor of one of the most giving churches I know. And, uh, and you guys, over and above, take care of us each and every Sunday. And, uh, and then God allows us to take that and, and use it around the world. I've had the joy this week, I've been uh, purchasing items that we're going to be taking down to Casa de Fe in about three weeks or as our team goes down. And it's so much fun, you know, okay, some of it's, some of it's tools and stuff that we need for the building project, but you know, getting that stuff for those kids. And then of course you guys are so amazing all year long bringing in stuff for shoebox ministry. Those shoeboxes are literally now around the world to children, and it's taking the gospel. So thank you, thank you, thank you for you, how you give to all that we do here at Eastside. So let's pray for our offering. Lord, I just uh, ask you to bless each and every penny that's given today and use that for your glory and spread the gospel around the world, that good news of great joy. Thank you for our opportunity to give back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I should mention our offering boxes are on the outside in the front lobby, on either side by the back door, and over in the agape room. So, part two, for those who came last night, yesterday, last night was hope or joy expecting, what it was like, and, and we had a kind of, a, a, several people said they really liked the pantomime of Zacharias when, uh, when he had to try to tell his wife that he saw an angel and that she was going to get pregnant, but, but we saw all that last night, and, and it, was, it was that time, I don't know about you, but if you've ever uh, if you're a mom or dad, and, and that, that expectant time uh, when, that, when that baby, you know, it's, it's, it's getting the stretching part, you know. I used to love to, uh, to put my hand on my wife's tummy and, and watch that baby go, oh, dad. Right? And, and Mary and Joseph were no different. I imagine that, that she would be sitting there and all of a sudden the baby is starting to, to elbow her or stretch out and she would take Joseph's hand and lay it on her stomach and said, feel that? That's the baby Jesus. That's the baby and he's coming soon to a stable near you. Oh, no. 
and Joseph. You know, here's Joseph. He's like, okay, uh, you know, God, how do I raise baby Jesus? How do I raise the Son of God? I, I'm a carpenter. The likelihood is, is that Joseph probably didn't even know how to read. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a priest. He wasn't a Pharisee that would learn the, the scriptures, learn the Old Testament. And God says, oh, just trust me. The Holy Spirit's going to be involved in all this. And here they were expecting this baby and everything that had to come along with it. As, as Mary went up to visit her, her, her aunt or cousin, we don't know which, but went to visit Elizabeth, and here she is in her old age. She's six months pregnant when Mary gets there, and, and John the Baptist is doing cartwheels in her womb because he knows that Jesus is, is in, in conceived in Mary. Wow. She says, okay, God, let's do this. Well, I don't think she said that that way, but she said, I am your bondservant. I'm willing to be used by God to bring the Son of God into this world. And what, I mean, just think about if, if you were devising a plan to bring the king into this world, how would you do it? I know I would probably say, I want the king to be born in a castle. And I want him to ride a big white horse and come in with his army. But God says, no, I've got a whole other plan for you. So this morning I want you to look at Luke chapter 2 as we look at joy fulfilled. Luke chapter 2 and we'll begin in verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken in all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they, were, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. First thing I want you to see is that God used an emperor to fulfill his prophecy. There's over 300 prophecies about just the birth of Jesus in the Old Testament. There's a math professor that wrote a book about this, and he said, just eight of them. If you just took eight of the 300, just eight of them being fulfilled in the birth of Jesus... The probability of that is 1 to 10 to the 17th power. Okay? I believe that's quadrillions out there. That's, that's 10 with 17 zeros behind it. 
Just eight of them and Jesus fulfilled 300. I mean, just having that. But God moved Caesar Augustus because where did Joseph and Mary live? In Nazareth, in Galilee. And there's no place that says Jesus will be born in Nazareth. A matter of fact, Micah, we just finished the, the, uh, the minor prophets, right? And we talked about this. In Micah 5, 2, it says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth, go forth for me to be the ruler of Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Micah told us that Bethlehem would be the place of his birth. The king would, would be there. And so they left. And I want you to notice how they travel. Who was it? It was just Mary and Joseph. Now I want you to remember. It says everyone was traveling to their city, right? And, and Joseph, both Joseph and Mary were of the lineage of David. But who traveled with them? No one. They were outcasts. She was an unwed mother. Somebody else's baby and Joseph stood by her. None of their family traveled with them. And they were traveling while she was big and pregnant up through the mountains of Judea as they climbed through the hills. 70 miles through the mountain. And where were they going? They were going to have a census and they knew that they were going to be staying there a while. If you were, if you were going someplace and you knew that you were going to have to stay for a while until the census was done, what would you be carrying with you? Probably quite a bit of money. And so what do you think the robbers were doing along the way? Well, who do we ambush? Do you ambush a whole group of people? Because the rest of their family was traveling to Bethlehem also. But they weren't traveling with Mary and Joseph because Mary and Joseph were outcasts. They were unconventional. Jesus is pretty unconventional. And they were traveling. They made it all the way there and Joseph begins looking around. Now, folks, understand there is no Holiday Inn. There is no Motel 6 in Bethlehem. The inn that they talk about would have been some rooms on the second floor of a house. And when people would travel through, but now we have everybody traveling to come to Bethlehem. And it was not a big city. It was just a humble little town that was mostly had the shepherds who took care of the sheep for the temple. And they get there and they're looking around. Can we stay here? I'm sorry, we're full. Can we stay over here? I'm sorry, we're full. And so somebody says, hey, you know, you can stay in the barn. That's the best I can do for you. And so Jesus is born. Not in a beautiful castle. Not as a place that the king would, would normally come to. He's born in a barn. Your mom ever ask you that? 
Were you born in a barn? Close the door. Jesus says, well, yes, I was. He was literally born in a barn and placed in a manger, the place where the animals eat. We, you know, we kind of look at it pretty cool. You know, it's like this nice little clean wooden box that's built, right? That's what we always see on the, on, on the style, you know. It was most likely hewn out of stone. The barn would have been a cave that was dug out or a wood or a, uh, a uh, mud brick shelter. And this would have been, you know, and, and I don't know, how many of you grew up on a farm? Yeah, a few of you, right? Cattle are really, really clean when they eat, aren't they? Right? I mean, that's one of the things, you know, uh, you watch cattle eat, and I mean, they're slobber all over the place. And, you know, it, it, was, I mean, it wasn't this beautiful little setting that we portrayed. But they took what they had, and they made a place for Jesus. They laid him in the manger. I would never have picked that way to fulfill the promise of God. And you know what? One of the things that we should take great joy about is that if God fulfilled that promise to the world, he's going to fulfill your promise too. You can take joy in the fact that God is going to fulfill your promise to you. Now, it may not be exactly the way you envisioned it. It may not be, oh, God, I want to live in the palace. He may say, well, for now, you're going to live in the barn. But it's going to be safe, and it will be full of love. But he promises to keep that to give you what exactly you need. Not always what you want, but exactly what you need. He took care of that, that young couple as they gave birth to, to his son. And then, you know, if, if uh, you have the celebration of the birth of a king, what normally would you have? You'd have a huge celebration. The heir is here. The, there's, a new, there's a new kid that's come here and he's going to be the next king. And we're going to have a big celebration and we're going to kill the fatted calf and we're going we're to invite all of our friends and we're going to bring all this to him. But who did God invite to the birth of Jesus? Let's look at that. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were some shepherds laying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord, singular, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will bring a baby, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there appeared an, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth among men with whom he, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that happened with the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry, and they found the way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statements which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told by them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as they had been told. Who were these shepherds? They had the graveyard shift. I see here some people laughing. You've worked the graveyard shift. Who works the graveyard shift? I remember as a young police officer, that was one of those things. You, got, you were the new guy in town, you got the graveyard shift. Most likely, all of these guys, the, 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 chief, the chief shepherds, they would have gone home for the night. It was the young kids, the ones that were learning to be shepherds. They were the ones that were left out there. Remember David's story? He was the youngest of all the brothers, and he was the one that was assigned to watch the sheep. He was from Bethlehem. It would have been a bunch of young kids. They would have been out there. Maybe they had a little fire going. Most of them would have just curled up in their cloaks, listening through the night. Is, is, is that a predator I hear out there? Is that a wolf calling? Is that a coyote out there? But most of them would have been just curled up, listening to the bleeding of the sheep. And all of a sudden, now I don't know, but how many of you have ever been someplace where there's no ambient light? Right? Yeah, isn't that cool? One of the greatest things I get the honor to do is I take inner city kids on whitewater raft trips. And that first night on the river when we are out in the, in the canyon and there is no light and they see the Milky Way for the first time. But it's also, if the moon's not out, it can be pretty dark. And here they are up in, the, up in the hills above Bethlehem with their sheep. And all of a sudden, boom, the searchlight comes on. <laughs> you think they were a little scared? Yeah, that's exactly, they were terrified. And the angel stands up and says, fear not. We need a lot of fear nots, don't we? <laughs> in our lives, because there are times when, when we look and, and we, we say, God, what are you doing? But he said, he said, fear not. And as he said that, they looked and they're like going, what in the world? What? And he says, I bring you what? Good news of great joy. That word good news in the Greek 
is the same word we use for evangelize. It's the gospel. He says, I bring you the good news, the gospel. And what is that gospel? He says, today in the city of David is born for you a what? A savior. He says, I bring you the gospel. The gospel is that the son of God came down from heaven and inhabited Mary and was born as a baby. But he grew up as a man that was sinless. He taught in the temple with authority at age 12. He did miracles to prove that he was the great I am. Those miracles proved that he had power over nature. Seas, be still. He had power over the human body. Blinded eyes, see. Lame people, get up and walk. He had power over death. Young man, get up out of your coffin and go back to your mother. Lazarus, come forth. He showed the world that he had the power of the I am. And then he went to the cross to show that he had the ultimate power over sin. That only he could pay for the sin of the world, my sin and your sin. And he died on that cross for that sin, but he didn't stay dead three days later. He rose up from the grave and it says he had the keys to death and hell with him. And he lives in heaven today preparing a place for you and I if we'll accept him. He brought good news of great joy. Notice that the angel presented him as what? As Savior. The angels presented Jesus as Savior. And you know what? If you go back and look in Luke 1, Mary... When she talked about him, she called him Savior. Zacharias, when he gave his prophecy, when God finally said, okay, John's been born, you can speak now. And in his prophecy, over and over again, he talks about Jesus as being the one who will bring salvation. He presented him as a Savior. You know, there's a, there's a song that I love. Even, even the name of Jesus means Yahweh saves. And Jesus has lots of different names. Master, Redeemer, Savior of the world, Wonderful Counselor. Bright morning star, lily of the valley, provider and friend. He was yesterday, he'll be tomorrow, the beginning and the end. But the angel called him Jesus, born of a virgin. Mary called him Jesus, but I call him 
Lord. Amen? You see, Jesus has to first be a Savior before he can be any of those other things. And he is all of those things. For whatever we need, but first we have to come to him as Savior. And the angels knew that, and they told that to these shepherds, these lonely, these lonely shepherds up in the hillside. And, and I want you to notice that it starts out with one angel, but what happens? The angels couldn't contain their joy. They're all looking. Who got the assignment to go down and tell about Jesus' birth? Herald. Well, hark the herald angels sing. No. Harold got the job. Well, let's peek over heaven and see what's going on. Good news of great joy. And what happened? It says there was a multitude in heaven praising God and singing glory. What an amazing thing. And, and these poor shepherds about that time were like going... And it says the shepherds ran to find Jesus. They went in a hurry. They said he's down in Bethlehem. Now, you know, know, we sing silent night, holy night, right? This very quiet, serene scene. But do you really catch what's going on here? Oh, it was anything but serene. Uh, uh, Up on the hillside... No electricity, remember. Maybe some lamps going on. Maybe some firelight going on. But all of a sudden, boom, here's the floodlight coming on. And then all of a sudden, glory to God in the highest peace on earth, God will torment. Echoes down through the valleys into Bethlehem. Whoa! What in the world's going on? And then come the shepherds. Now there isn't just one Stable in Bethlehem. Every house had a stable. They've got to find Jesus. They didn't have a star to follow, did they? Not yet. So they come running into town. Looking in the main, looking, is, is, there, is Jesus here? Is Jesus here? We're looking for the baby Jesus. People come out of their house. What, what are you guys doing? We're looking for Jesus. Where is he? They're just going from house to house, looking in the mangers. People are coming out. What's going on? And they finally find him. And they worship at his feet. But they didn't stay there. Right after they saw him, they had to go back. They still have a job to do. They have sheep to take care of. But as they were leaving, everybody in town is now awake. Right? I mean, it's like 4th of July. Everybody's awake, especially if you have a dog. Right? Everybody's awake. And it says, and they shared the good news with everyone. Jesus. The Messiah is born and he's over at, at the stable over here, 
wasn't Harold's stable, it was somebody else's stable. He's over at the stable. He's the Messiah. And people were like going, what? It says, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Are you wondering today? This might be the first time you've ever heard about the Good Shepherd. It's the first time you heard about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If it is, I suggest you run to him. Because he's, he says, I'm here. I've arrived. I want you to hear the good news. Isaiah 9, 6 tells us, For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I think that's one of my favorite names for Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. Because if you look at this world, there's not a lot of peace in this world, is there? but I know the Prince of Peace. He says, I will give you peace that's beyond all understanding. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, I give to you. He's the Prince of Peace. Well, these shepherds, they went back, and it tells us that they glorify, they were glorifying and praising God. Verse 20. And the shepherds went back, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen, just that it has been told them. You see, when God speaks to you, when you see his promises fulfilled in, in the simplest of ways, your life is changed. You can't help but glorify and praise God for what's happened. You know, when I, I can remember when I first got saved, 15 years old, at the Bill Glass Crusade right here at Memorial Stadium. I was, uh, I was a football player. Many of you have heard my story. But when I got back to my high school, I got saved in August. We were in the middle of Daily Doubles, with all of our, with all my football buddies. But when school started the day after Labor Day and I got back to school, I couldn't help it. I gotta tell you about what's happened. I, I, I don't understand everything, but I want you to know I got saved. And I grabbed one of my best football buddies. He's still, he's still one of my best friends today even though he lives in Phoenix, Arizona, Keith Haley. Keith, we gotta tell others about this. We'd grab kids and say, hey, we're having a fifth, what we call fifth quarter. After the football game was over, home football games, we'd grab kids, we'd go to somebody's house, and, and, and moms or dads would provide us with some great, something great to eat, and then somebody would share the gospel. And these kids started getting saved. Jeff Stolson got saved. Deb Sweet got saved. The Mox got saved. All of these kids started getting saved. It was an exciting time because, you see, when, when Jesus comes into your life, when you finally see the Savior, 
You want to glorify and praise him. And that's what he asked to do. Matter of fact, remember the story that we had yesterday about this guy by the name of John the Baptist? And he would be what? He would be the forerunner. And when Jesus was about to start his ministry, John was already preaching. He had been telling people, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And one day he's down baptizing in the Jordan River. And he looks up and he sees Jesus. And the next day he saw Jesus coming. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. You see, he was baptizing for forgiveness, but only Jesus can give you total forgiveness. And he did that on the cross. And the verse that I, that I see in verse 19, but Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart, Yeah, the angels were running around saying, glory, praise God. But sometime joy does not come in the big hallelujahs. Joy doesn't come in the big expression of faith. Sometimes joy comes when you ponder in your heart and you say, okay, God, you're here. I suppose Mary had no clue how to raise the Son of God. She had the Holy Spirit to help her. But she probably sat there and went, okay, don't drop him. Don't drop the Son of God. And would Mary make mistakes? Oh, absolutely. They lost him. They lost God in the temple for three days. Hey, sorry, Lord. I didn't mean to lose your son. You know. They made mistakes. But Mary had this great joy in her heart. You see, God sent his son so that you could have joy. John 15, 11. 33 years after his birth in a manger, where there was no room in the upper room, He's in a different upper room. This time there was one that was available to him. He gathered his disciples around him and they had the Last Supper. And Jesus said this to them. In this last time that he had together with his disciples, he said, these things I have spoken unto you that my joy may be, where? In you, and that your joy may be made full. The ultimate fulfillment of joy is when Jesus is in you. And that only comes by accepting the work that He did on the cross. You see, Jesus came not to become a great man. Jesus came not to become a great philosopher, as somebody may believe him. 
Jesus came to do what nobody else could do, which was pay for your sin and mine. We're going to come right now to communion. And as we come to communion, I want you to think about the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. The greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. The gift on the cross that says you can have eternal life. If you come to me, confess your sin and ask Jesus to take those sins away which he did on the cross. It's simple. It's not a hard thing. It's putting out your hand and saying, yes, I received the most wonderful gift that you have to give. Come and save me. You are Savior of my life. We have communion in the center, the back two corners, and the front two corners. Communion is stacked with the wafer in the bottom, the juice in the top. If you'd be kind enough right now to reach into the pew in front of you and use the hand sanitizer. So we do this as safely as possible. We celebrate open communion here, which means if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you're welcome to partake with us. Maybe you just came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior today. You're welcome. Join with us as you remember what he's done for us. And that night, when he says, your joy may be full, he looked at the disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. Then he took the cup and he says, this is the blood for the forgiveness of sin. Take and drink. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to this earth to be born of a baby, be born in human flesh, walk through life, knowing all the things that we know, feeling all the times of disappointment, the times of, of hurt as people hurt you physically, hurt you emotionally, hurt you Spiritually, as they turn their backs on you, you felt all of that so that you could feel our pain. And then you hung on a cross to pay for our sins. And we thank you. We thank you that you came to be the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.